Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No Boundaries Podcast, where the facts are the facts and opinions hurt people's feelings. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I'm I'm tired of telling y'all what to do on Spotify because I still haven't figured that out, so I just incorporated that in the mix. Um, we have a very special guest with us today. Everybody that's listening in Houston, the election is November 5th, correct? Yep, Tuesday. Elections on Tuesday. We have mayoral candidate Roy Vasquez. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm Roy Vasquez uh, from Houston, born in Houston, uh, living in Houston, uh, Houston my whole life, uh, and I want to be your mayor. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can just go ahead and uh, tell some people about why I'm running and uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, so I've been in uh, education my whole life. I went to U of H for my grad and undergraduate degrees. Um, you know, started teaching psychology at a college uh, and started in the education department for a hospital company. And uh, I've been the education director for the hospital company for about seven years now. Um, so my whole background's in education. So a lot of people are like, do you have any political experience? Like, you know, how do you think you can do it without political experience? I think that, you know, as a city, I think most cities need this. They need people who don't come from that kind of, you know, political tree to, to run for these offices. Um, when you see something that's not right, you know, we need our um, firefighters, we need our educators, we need our journalists. Um, we need those people who come with a different perspective, uh, you know, to run for these offices, to represent the real people, not like the lifelong politicians, the people who have been in office already, who've, you know, kind of had the chance to, you know, make the city better or fix the city. Um, so I think, yeah, we need different people. Uh, but the reason I'm really running is I, um, you, you can't really sit around and, um, you know, hope that the next mayoral candidate's better when you're not satisfied with what's happening in your city. So it doesn't mean you think it's, you know, I don't think Houston is falling apart or anything, but if you're not satisfied, I think if you're a, if you love your city, you have kind of a social obligation to try to do something about it. Right. And so I thought the biggest change that I could make was, from the, you know, the top. I thought being the mayor is have that biggest impact um, on change. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do, uh, run for mayor. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, people believe, people believe in the authenticity. Um, but I think the, the hard part is, uh, you know, it, it's getting your getting your name out there is, is the hard part. Because I, I feel like in Houston, you might think, hey, we only have two candidates running for mayor, but we don't, we have, uh, you know, double-digit candidates running for mayor, but because of, you know, whether it's donations or, or money, um, those are the people people know about. It's, you know, two candidates, basically. But, yeah, there's a ton. You, I just want Houston to know you guys have other choices. It's not just those two candidates. And it's like that on the presidential level, too. I mean, it's always more than just two candidates. It, it is, exactly, man. So, like, yeah, so it's uh, the media kind of does that to us. They kind of pick people and then it's also um uh i'm sorry so it's the media that kind of uh you know funnels us into a, a certain direction but but again i think it, it's it's money and and uh you know when when those like two candidates or three candidates or however many it is when the, those are the ones that get focused on you know the other ones kind of get left and that also kind of contributes to i think people not participating in elections because they think there's nobody that really represents me because they think there's just these two or three candidates. Uh, I went to a university here in um, Houston, University of Houston downtown, 
and talk to a classroom. This was before I had officially started running, and I just wanted to ask them because um, in our last mayoral election, 2015, 18 to 34-year-olds, only 6.6% of registered voters voted in the last mayoral election here in Houston, which is, that's not even on the population. That's just total people, 18 to 34. So why aren't they excited? Why aren't we excited about electing, by, about voicing our opinion? So it was a small sample size, but going to this class and talking to them, that was part of it. They don't feel like the candidates represent them. But again, last year in, in the mayoral election, it's, I think there were eight, eight, or I mean, in 2015, there were eight candidates, I think, for Houston. So again, it's just information not being readily available. It's, it, you know, part of that is on the public that they're not looking for the information. But, you know, you understand to a certain extent, you do need to push information out. I just think it needs to be, you know, hopefully in the future, you know, across the board, presidential election, um, you know, Senate, whatever. I, I just want, would like it to be a fair playing field. Like maybe there's a spending limit or something like that okay that's all right when i that's 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 i, I agree with everything you're saying um i'm gonna dig a, i'm gonna dig a little deeper if i can yeah. um so you literally you woke up one day and you said you know you that thought process came to mind because i mean me and jay we we don't know a lot about politics we know i would say the bare minimum about politics i mean i know um i know like I said, I know the bare bare minimum, but for me, if I wanted to like say, uh, how do I say, create my own candidate, um, I, when I saw you, the first thing I saw, okay, like, all right, I'm finna, I'm finna see if I can find some dirt on this guy, which, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which was impossible. So, did that come into mind first when before you said, oh, okay, I'm finna, I'm finna run for mayor, but first let me clean up. Cause I mean, you know what type of social? Come on, you know what type of society we live in. It's if somebody want to well, find something on you, they can find something on you. So, well, so well, Twitter nowadays, you know, like oh, from when you were in high school, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, luckily, I'm not super active on on social media or anything, so there's there's really nothing. I know my my brother jokingly said, "Don't run because then they're gonna find dirt on him." <laughs> he didn't want anybody dirt on him, but uh, so yeah, so. I mean, that wasn't really a concern, um, but I did kind of wake up one day and just, you know, our roads weren't getting fixed. And this was in 2015. Um, and at that time, we had, we used to have two-year election cycles, so it was 2013, 2015. And in 2015, when I decided to run, it was kind of already, like, the paperwork had already been, like, when I looked into it, uh, the paperwork already had needed to be processed. So I was late. So I was thinking, oh, I'll just wait two years. But that year, they changed it to four years. I actually had to wait four years from 2015 to now to run. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I mean, it wasn't – and even then, like, I looked into it, and I still – I wasn't 100% positive. You know, in 2019, I'm going to do it, but it's something that I did want to do. Um, I looked in it. I, you know, set that calendar reminder, um, you know, where you, when you can get the paperwork, July 2019. Um, and, and when the, the day officially came up that I could grab the paperwork and look into it, that was when it got serious, yeah. Okay, so you, you say right now you're in education right now. I am, yeah. So I'm the education director for uh, Paralong, which is part of uh, HCA Houston Healthcare. It's the biggest, like people don't know the name, but it's the biggest hospital company in Houston. It's bigger than Memorial Harmon uh, in terms of the number of beds in Houston. But 
Um, yeah, and I don't know why it is. Like, we went through a rebranding, which I think unifies more of the hospitals now. Um, so maybe you see the footprint bigger because I think, you know, you don't think of HCA as big, you know, it's not as well known as Memorial Harmon, basically, but um, it's bigger. Yeah, I, ne- I never heard of Paraland. Jay, you heard of Paraland? No. Nope. Is, is Paraland, or how do you say uh, it again? Paralon is, uh, it's kind of the business side of this hospital company, but um, the company is HCA Houston Healthcare. So is it was it would it be fair for them to back you and be behind you or they can't do that? Uh, you know we don't want to get political out of it. It's in our code of conduct to not bring kind of politics into the workplace. Um, so I, I have kind of hesitated. I told my boss that I'm running, but not really. You know, spread it around um, the workplace because you know like religion, it's one thing you really shouldn't bring right. to a corporate environment. And, I mean, and I and I can see the reason for that. I mean, you know how heated people get when when religion is a topic, just even talking to people about my campaign in public, whether I'm, you know, canvassing or passing out my card, um, it, I didn't expect the amount of kind of, um, strong emotion and strong opinion from people. Um, some people, I, I mean, I, almost the hate that you, you can see that I didn't, I didn't really expect and probably, I probably should have, um, just people get very angry. Um, when, when they talk about politics and you know I think that's part I mean, it goes more into education like um, I think understanding and learning are kind of at the basis of every conflict um, so even if we don't agree at least to understand where someone's coming from and I, I don't think that anger would come in as much if, if people you know tried to understand and, and learn from each other is, is there is there a reason that you that you did want the nonpartisan route um there, there's not a reason. So the Houston election itself is nonpartisan. So nobody really declares a party. But it, okay. I mean, when you're doing forums or somebody emails you on your website, they do ask. So I do. I wouldn't say I'm a Democrat, but I do lean more uh, Democratic. Um, and the only reason I don't like that is because I don't like to be you know, pigeonholed in. He's a Democrat, so he believes all these things. And yeah, yeah. I don't. So I might believe one thing over here, two things over here, and you know the rest over here. But I don't want to. I don't want somebody to just assume my opinions because of a political party affiliation. And, and how? To, what? What about race? When you know when people see you, they, they do they do they automatically assume you're Democrat anyway? They do. I think I think they do. Um, I, I mean, I think people are open to. Uh, to asking, so, so like yesterday I was, you know, talking to people, passing out my card, um, and, and they didn't think I was a Democratic, but on one side of my card, I kind of had the, the Obama kind of looking <laughs> pictures. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, oh, you're, you're a Democrat? And I was like, no, I mean, I just thought the, the picture would have, um, you know, evoke some kind of emotion and, and remembering in people. Um, and make yeah, a change of some I, sort. Because when I see that picture, I think change. Some, you know. Yeah improving or improving on what what's going on now yeah yeah so i think yeah exactly it resonates with people like that so they they there's just an emotional kind of remembering to it yeah that's exactly what i wanted um but yeah so somebody saw the picture so they didn't assume it because of my race but they saw the picture and then assumed it okay 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 yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I think it's pretty, pretty dope. I mean, I, when I saw it, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, that's the first thing I thought, which, you know, really didn't matter to me. Um, but um, I, I always felt like um, Houston, I, I never really could tell, but I always kind of, 
lately I've always felt like Houston was way more blue than red, especially with uh, when ba- when Beto was um, when yeah. Beto started making his run. Uh, you know, me staying where I stayed, like that's all I saw was the Beto bumper stickers, and I'm like, damn, like Houston in general is becoming a pretty liberal city, and uh, it was only fair for me to believe with you know, if I'm not mistaken, our last mayor was gay. And then we have a black mayor now, so I'm like, man, you know, this this city is pretty progressive. So, um, not on the west side. I'm not for real. Not on oh, the west sh- side. <laughs> oh, okay. See, see, I wouldn't. I see, I wouldn't know. But I do know that on the west side, uh, one of one of Roy's uh biggest issues is homelessness. And man, when you're on certain parts of I-10 and you see them little tent cities, man, that's oh, always man. that's always bothered me personally. And uh, if you I mean, I know you say you're like not on Twitter active, but if you ever see like conservatives or Republicans when they go at Democrats, they always point out how the Democratic-ran cities seem to be leaning more towards having a bunch of you know tent cities and homeless camps, like your uh, San Francisco or your LA, and it seems like uh, Houston's starting to lean that way too. But um, I'm like anybody else, like, how do you really solve that problem? Yeah, man, like that's a great question. So. It's not, you know, it's not something that we, like, this is the definitive way to solve homelessness. Like, there's, I don't know, but I definitely think we can improve the situation. So uh, the first thing is, uh, you know, getting to the root of it. Like, why are these people homeless? Are they transient? Or did they get out of jail and not have bus fare to get home? Did they, uh, you know, mental health? Like, I think that's a huge, that's probably over 50% of people that are homeless are mental health uh, issues, you know, something along those lines. Um, so raising our mental health awareness, um, I, I think homelessness in general, there's kind of a myth across America, not even just Houston, that, and I, again, I think this is more of a, a democratic way to look at it, but I think that uh, homelessness, people see a homeless person and they think, oh, why doesn't he just go get a job? Like, whoa, like he's homeless, he can't shower, he doesn't have a change of clothes. Like, how can he just go get a job? And will that job that this homeless person can get, let's say he does get, uh, you know, clothes and, and a shower, is he going to get a job that can sustain a living? You know, our minimum wage in Houston is seven twenty-five an hour, which, I mean, that's, a, I think, across the country. But um, how is he going to sustain a living if he gets a job? I mean, I don't think there's a way. So I think that's the, the other part of it. So looking at the root issue, helping with mental health, uh, awareness. But I think once people realize that homelessness isn't something that fixes itself, um, people will be more open to giving towards these mental health awareness programs, these social welfare programs, because right now um, they're not, because they think there's that myth again that homelessness, people can get out of homelessness themselves and they can't. They need social support to lift them out of homelessness. And again, I know not everybody wants to be out of homelessness, um, but again, there are the, there are the people that do, and then there are pe- the people who can't help it. Like they they might know not know what they want because of the mental health issues. Um, so I think it's it's again expanding just our, our programs that the city can provide for those issues, and then providing affordable housing, providing transient housing um, to help get these people back on their feet. If so, again, there's three groups: there's the people who want help and can work and can do it themselves. There's the mental health aspect where they might not be able to work, they might not be able to help themselves. So more mental health programs and, and housing for them. And then there's the people that don't want help. So that's 
the tricky part that I don't really know where to go with this one yet. But I think these two, if we can fix these two, that solves a huge piece of our problem. Um, and, and then the tent, like, so we have no camping ordinances in, in Houston that aren't, in, aren't enforced. Um, I, I do think we need to enforce those because, um, you know, I, I think putting them in jail for a day or, or whatever is, is better than having them sleeping on the street in their own, you know, uh, waste, whatever. Um, you know, I just think we need to clean the streets, um, get them off the streets. And again, some might not be able to afford buses back. Let's, let's get them out. Let's get them back to where they, they want to go. Like, let's let the, the city pay for it. But again, that comes back to us as a society being willing to, hey, it's okay if you raise my taxes a little bit. We have a tax cap in Houston, too, on our, um, I think it's on our property. It's, a, it's been a cap for like 10 years. Um, so we have to be open to raising that a little bit, again, to afford all of these programs that we want. Okay. To, okay. To me, um, when when we talk about things like this, um, I, I always hear like how Republicans will will say, you know, oh well, you know, you just need to work hard. That's what I did. You know, I just started and I worked hard. But it's like you don't realize that the step up you have. That's like me saying, you know, well, why don't you just go get a job? But it's like, well, my parents put shelter over my head and clothes on my back to allow me to go get that. They don't have these opportunities now. And I remember when the Super Bowl came to town, because I used to work downtown, like right across the street from the Toyota Center, a few blocks down from Minute Maid. And I would see all the homeless camps and stuff on my way to work. And then like a week or two before Super Bowl comes, they're all cleared out. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, you cleaned up for the Super Bowl. That happened. And now it's like, all right, let's go back to the dark side of our city where, you know, we just have these people out here stranded. Man, and that that's always bothered me personally. Like, um, another point that you made on your platform is, you know, government corruption. Uh, I'm, I, I, you know, I don't like to point fingers because uh, I don't really know all the facts. But like you said, when you think about how how quick they were to uh, clean up for the Super Bowl, it's almost like, I've, and, and I'm glad I got you sitting right here. I, I've always wondered, like. How much of a benefit is that to a city when you have the NFL come in here? Like you say, you boost the economy, but I mean, in in all the efforts you took to clean out the homeless and make this city look like it was nice for four days, like like wh- how much of a benefit is that? Like, does that really really benefit the city? Like, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know the answers. I can speculate along with you. I think um, it, I think it helps them from. Uh, a money standpoint, you know, just people coming in, spending money in the businesses. And it might be someone also who came and like, oh, I really liked Houston. It was clean. It was, I'm going to move there, you know? So I think it helps in those aspects. But I mean, you know, those people who come are, you know, going to be in for kind of a rude awakening when they see, oh, wait, you know, when did the homeless problem happen and all that kind of stuff? Like, see all the things that it was clean, you know, for those four days, but now it looks a lot different. That almost it almost reminds me of like the '60s and '70s where you know people have people went to LA and went to Hollywood and they seen all the lights and all and all that and they were like you know what I'm gonna go out there because that looks like it's a place where I want to be and they end up being homeless yeah. and, and and that's I I mean in all honesty I mean people probably flock to Houston thinking that you know it's it's the city of opportunity and then they get you know they they were you know they were sold a wolf ticket because they get here and that becomes a reality and, and a lot of them are like you know what screw it I'm gonna just I'm gonna just sleep in the streets and uh, until I make it you know because I've 
I've heard stories about, you know, the people in the homeless in San Francisco having cell phones, having TVs in their tent, you know, living pretty living pretty good. And I mean, I don't know if our homeless are that sophisticated, but it, it's, it's that's that's pretty scary. Wow, yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard those stories. Um I did want to touch on, on something Jay said real quick. Um just about another cause of homelessness is kind of you know, not everybody has the same opportunity, you know, whether it's the educational system or our foster care system. So when people are in foster care at age 18, you know, they're, they're out. So they, they have no home. They might, you know, they, if, no, if they didn't get adopted, they, they go out on the street on their own. Like, and, and a lot of those people turn homeless too, because, you know, if they didn't have a family, they have nobody to see for Christmas. They have nobody to see for holidays. You know, their high school graduation, nobody's there for them. Then they get out, and if they don't have any close friends, that's it, you know? So just a good point about, you know, there are a ton of things that contribute to this that some, like, uh, political affiliations and some people think, you know, they, they don't consider it. I don't think they consider the human aspect. They think just work hard. Um, but when people aren't, uh, you know, given the same opportunity, sometimes working hard isn't good enough. Man, you ain't lying. So, what's your? I hate. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but so, what's your view on uh on white privilege? Uh, I mean, it, it exists. So, I mean, that that's basically it. And you know, I have a, a lot a lot of white friends who realize it exists and are activists, and, and you know, I appreciate that. Um, and, and so, you know, admitting white privilege exists, you know, isn't we're not asking white people to. You know, we we want stuff from you now. We just like admit it exists. Like let's let's make it better. You know, because it still exists. It's not. It's 2019, and we still have um, white privilege, man. Um, yeah. So I think from a you know, if you're a white person listening to this, it, you know, I'm not asking for anything from you, but um, just yeah, just admit that you you had. Um, you know, I guess not more opportunity, but you had an advantage going through life. And the only reason I brought that up, because I'm listening to what both of y'all are saying, and y'all are saying, you know, how people have that advantage. And in particular, you know, obviously that's one of the advantages that, you know, they, they tend to have. And I, I've never felt any animosity towards them for it, you know, just based on the fact that, I mean, you first in line, you first in line, I'm going to do what I got to do. Um, but uh, one of my one of the things I like about you is you didn't run on any of those platforms as far as race, and I, I definitely respect that because I'm noticing that like, like race baiters are starting to become um, more prevalent now. And uh, one of the ones that did make me kind of uh, chuckle was your um, was your uh, the, um, the shell the animals your view hey, like, you talking about a, like that's a big one. Yeah. I was like that was I ain't never heard that one. You got to You got to tell the people about that. One. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, let me hit that. I just want to go back kind of to the just um, privilege thing. So I think it's even in our educational system, right? So um, and this kind of, this is kind of one of one of the points of my platform too is uh, we need something better to make our schools more equal. So HISD has seven schools that um, failed, a, you know, a recent test to you know how if they're an exemplary campus or not. Um, and we had seven schools that failed, um, and they're. In, in lower income areas. Um, so just going back to the privilege, so kids that go to school in lower income areas, the property taxes for those areas pay for the schools in those areas. You know, schools in the suburbs, schools in rich areas, 
they have more money because the property taxes from those areas pay those teachers, they pay for the building, you know, they pay for the extracurricular activities. So we need some type of HISD revenue sharing to make sure that all schools are getting the same amount of money to kind of prevent, you know, um, that systemic racism almost that exists in, in our educational system. Um, but, okay, so back to the, yeah, so I think the dog, uh, sheltered animals, homeless animals, that to me is, we have to speak for those who can't speak for themselves, help those that can't help themselves. So that to me, that's homeless people. And that's also animals that are um, abandoned, mistreated. Um, so the city of Houston right now does not pick up every stray. So if they see a stray, they would just drive by it. They only pick up really, and, and to be fair, they don't run all the animal shelters. They only run bark. Um, but the only one they, they, they only pick up when there's like a disturbance call. So it's, hey, this dog, this dog bit me or whatever. So then they go the dog catcher to pick them up. Um, and so, so I, I just think that as a city, we need, so the other shelters like uh, uh, Houston Humane Society and others, they run on donations. They, they're completely um, donation-based. So I think the city needs to contribute to all of our shelters. We all need to work in partnership. And they do to an extent as far as transferring animals like um, you know, I'm going to transfer this one from the Humane Society to Park because they have something that they might need at Park. Um, but I think as far as money, the, the city needs to contribute to all of them. And we need to pick up all of our stray animals, again, because animals can't help themselves. If there's a dog out there with a broken leg, a dog out there with disease or sick, it can't, it's not a human. It can't go to the store. It can't get medicine. Um, you know, it can't go to the doctor, get a splint or get its leg set. So we need to pick up everything and um, help them if we can. And, and again, I think um, I think the humane thing to do is, so for those animals that can't be helped, for, that can't be saved, it's better than having them on the street. Um, and, and people don't like to hear it, but I think we need to you know, euthanize the ones that can't be saved. It's the humane thing to do. Um, so, but, but the baseline of that is pick up every animal. Let's try to help them all. Um, let's house the ones we can house and, and uh, you know, do the humane thing with, with those that um, can't, you know, can't survive or that are suffering. Um, and, and then I think the second part of that is to educate the public. So I, I have more points on the website, but the, the big ones are educate the public on spaying and neutering because adopting a pet, that's awesome. And, and people should adopt and without, you know, don't buy from a breeder or anything. So adopt, but that saves one life, right? You adopt, you save that one dog. But spaying and neutering, that could save hundreds of animals, hundreds of pets, because you know they're not they're not reproducing. So a lot of it's just education. People don't know how to be a pet owner, and a lot of our animal shelters hold classes for that. Um, but not everybody can take an hour on a Saturday to go to this class. So I think it's a big education push from the city. So that's you know uh, billboards and commercials and TV ads, we have to find another way to educate our public without making them drive to come to a class because, I mean, we're, you know, we want more convenience, so but not a lot of people are going to do that. So when, I mean, and, and that education would include spaying and neutering, um, pet ownership, understanding that owning a pet is a lifetime commitment. It's not, oh, you know what, I love this puppy or I want it because it's so small, it's so cute, then it grows into a big dog and I don't want it anymore. Or it's not an accessory. Um, you know, it's, 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so like, so giving pets up for that, I was at Houston Humane Society probably a month ago. I, I volunteered there and with Mark. Um, and they, you, you see some of these, small, I was just in the smaller dog, so this is, wasn't even the big dog area. And it says, you know, how old the dog is and why they came in. So there was just this one dog, like he seemed like a sweet guy and he was nine years old and he was an owner surrender for lack of time. To me, I'm thinking this is almost at the end of the dog's life and you're giving him up to the shelter. I mean, like to me, like, what do you think as the dog, you're probably waiting for your owner to come back. Nine years you've been with your owner and then it just like, yeah, make them so disposable. And so I think that's a big part. Understanding pet ownership is for the lifetime of the pet. Um, yeah, so, so I think those are, those are the big areas for, for um, helping animals, picking up all our strays and then educating the public. Man, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. You you told me some stuff I ain't never heard in my life, man. And that when you you kept saying bark, man, you gotta to tell the people what that means. I don't know what bark is, man. I'm not gonna lie. So, so I actually don't know what it stands for, but it's B A R C, and it's uh, the City of Houston's Animal Shelter. Okay, okay, man. That's, that's pretty. Like, man, I'm I'm sitting here like, dang, like I didn't I didn't know half this stuff, man. Cause that's why when I saw that platform you were taking, I'm like, that's a unique platform. And when I hear everything, and you know, we we, we st- I still haven't talked about one, but when, when I hear everything you say, I mean, it kind of sounds like your main platform is to help the helpless, because, exactly. um, you know, because I mean, you talk about the system systemic racism in the schools. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you did you go to Kingwood? Or uh, my bad, what school you went? What high school you went to? I went to Canyon Creek, so that's up in Conroe. Oh, you went to Canyon Creek? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so. You kind of, I mean, and I'm not really sure how uh, Caney Creek operates, but I know it's on, is that the east side of 59 or? It's, uh, or is it's that north, like uh, kind of, it's, uh, gosh, yeah, it's on, the, it's, it's on the west side of 59, but it's kind of by, you know where, I don't know if you know where Cut and Shoot is. It's right by Conroe High School. Like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, where yeah, Cut and Shoot yeah. is. You know where it is? Yeah, 105, yeah. Yeah, yeah so oh, it's, pretty, okay. it's pretty country, yeah. I didn't know it was that way. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, so the point I was making is, man, you know, people from since I was growing up, people always made comments about like, if you were at Spring High School, uh, they would make comments about, you know, hey, those uh those those high those uh Spring schools on the east side of forty five, you know, they get the better funding. Those are the schools that are, you know, blah blah blah, and the schools on the west side are the um on the west side of forty five, you know, blah blah blah. And I used to, you know, I used to hear that a lot growing up, and I never truly understood that until I got older and I realized basically what they were saying was, you know, that's all that's all how taxes are being used, and the fact that those those homes over there are just technically better. I mean, that's just how it works. So when I hear you talk about that, I, I obviously see that, you know, it's. It's not always about necessarily having a plan, but if you make awareness to it and you get people smarter than you that can help you create a plan, then you could actually get somewhere. So I, you know, like I said, man, I, I actually like that platform because people try to make it seem like um that's their that's their whole platform, you know. Um, because I kind of feel like you know that that design that uh that Shepard Ferry design that you use for uh, oh. the one that looks like Obama, yeah. um. Obama ran on hope and um, people love that, you know, people love the ideal of, you know, hope. And, um, but I still think that's, that's different when you are literally saying like, Hey man, I'm, I'm here to be a Robin hood, but I ain't necessarily trying to steal from the rich, but I'm here to come help you because I know that a lot of y'all can help yourselves. And it's funny because in my opinion, man, it's, it's not even just um, 
homeless animals and homeless human beings that can't help themselves. It's it's people in general that um, don't have don't have the want to to help themselves, and it's almost like you kind of got to push them in a direction to be like, hey, you know, we got this for you because we want you to be better in general. And I mean, just once again, like I like the fact that you run on that platform because I think it's a unique one, especially when you throw animals in there. Because I ain't never heard that before. But even with that being said, do you think that the overpopulation necessarily? Because I mean, you 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 threw another fact out uh, on your uh, website about um, how um, Houston is pretty pretty polluted. Yeah. Do you think that that plays a factor? Uh, so yeah, so our, our massive population that absolutely plays a factor. I know one um, XDOT is trying to expand 45, which um, you know because it's congested, right? But yes. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, but I'm actually against that, man, because I think um, it's I forget what it's called. It's called induced demand. So when you widen a freeway, you know it's it, traffic gets better. But it also means more cars come on the freeway because it's, oh, you know what? I'm going to take 45. I'm not going to take the bus. I'm going to take 45 because it's, um, you know, now it's flowing better. So that's like 290. Adds, yeah, yeah. 290, Katy Freeway, like it all, when they expanded, they got more crowded because more people are driving now. So I'm not for it. Not to mention that it's going to displace families out of their homes, but the pollution aspect of it too is, um, you know, I just think we're so polluted. Why are we going to do something else that adds to our pollution? Um, one area where I don't, like, I would love to see change, but I really don't even know where to begin. Um, it's kind of by the, the off I-10 East. Um, so, like, the, the chemical plants, the, the refinery, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. all that stuff. So that contributes to pollution, not as much as our car pollution, but... Um, that I don't think those places should be where people live. Like, I mean, there's people, there's houses around those. I, I think those, and I'm sure it would, I don't know what it would cost, but we, whoever uh, wins there, we have to come up with a plan to get either to move those people away from those refineries or to move the refineries. I don't think, I mean, they, you can't say, oh, you know, no explosion is ever going to happen again or, you know, uh, chemical fires ever going to happen again because they always happen. And those people's lives are at stake, you know, not that they're going to die that day, but they're going to have problems for the rest of their life, probably cancer, who knows what else, because they inhale those chemicals. Um, so I think that's, that's a, a big thing that, um, again, I, I have no idea how to solve it, but we need to move people. We need to move the plants. I mean, hey, Roy, you, 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 I know you don't know me that well, but, uh, I had I I, I I I deal with that field, you know, the chemical field, and mm. uh, I, I got I got homeboys that you know they they work out there, and um, after that last explosion happened, I forgot who who you do do y'all remember what that last explosion was? The one, mm. um, it, it, it was, was just a, a few months ago. Matter of fact, yeah, yeah, it, it wouldn't. It, I mean, you look in the sky, you can see the smog from Spring, Texas, yeah. um, and you know people, you know people said the same thing that you said, and and I. And I I don't think there's a solution for it, but I definitely felt, and, and, and y'all both can tell me if y'all agree with this or not, but, uh, I mean, shouldn't there be an incentive for those people to stay there at least? You mean to, to give them money because they have to live near a chemical plant? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think it sounds kind of cruel, though. I don't know what I thought about it. I was like, damn, that sounds bad, but y'all let me know how that sounds. 
I mean, I don't think it's horrible. I do think, you know, if you want to, if we just kind of rephrase that and you'd say that um, if like, the chemical plant should be paying those people some kind of stipend to, to be close to them, right? Like, hey, we're, we're right here, so we're going to pay you this whatever. But yeah, you I, had to. I don't but, know how that would But also you have to look at it like the people who live in those floodplains that flood all the time now. And they's like, you know what? We're just going to rebuild. And it's kind of like you, you, you kind of take that risk along with it. And and I'm sure there were some people that were established before the chemical plants were there and, and everything. So it, it's, it's kind of like a, a no-win situation with that. Yes, yes. No, I was going to say, I'm going to say, that, okay, like when you talk about the flood, all right. So if I, if I move to a place where, you know, I wasn't 100% sure if it was going to flood, but, hey, I can afford this place. But now they're they're coming along saying, hey, we gonna have to, you know, do some massive building, blah blah blah. And let's be let's be real here, man. These contractors be having millions and millions of dollars. In that in that particular case, I mean, they could pay to get people to move. I mean, would that be a problem? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I know money doesn't solve any everything, but I definitely know like people that they will sit somewhere if it risks their lives because it's like I don't know anywhere else, and that's what makes it so hard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, uh, it's a tough situation. I, I damn, I actually, I actually forgot about you know how we we have those explosions and like you know, I, I mean, how do you know how those people are doing right now? No, I mean, like, no, I haven't. Yeah, gone and checked. I haven't heard anything. But I mean, you have to think that you know, inhaling those chemicals, they you know, they shut off those areas. Like, don't don't uh, you know, you can't go outside. They lock schools down. Don't go outside. So you know, it's not healthy if the city is not you know, letting you go outside when there's plenty outside with this, you know, one of the worst 10 air pollutions in the country, you know, every day. But when this happens, they won't let us go. It's gotta be pretty bad. Dang. I did not, I did not know that, man. Cause I just, I just, I, I mean, unless you can like visibly see it, like I saw it that day when that last explosion happened, like you could look in the sky and like, it was like small for like almost two days and you're like, okay, I can visibly see it. I mean, that's, that's pretty scary, man. And, I'm one of those people that I mean I don't believe I, I mean I know that there's a climate crisis I don't know if I don't know if it's, a, it's as apocalyptic as people say it is but um I definitely know there is one uh, but you out you also okay I'm gonna take it back some you you right, mentioned right. um when we were talking about the homeless people you mentioned you mentioned the uh, mental health and does does Paralon deal with that in any way like or, or what 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 education wing with that, like, is there is there an education wing to address that? I, and I know that's off topic. I'm just curious. Yeah. So, so some of our hospitals do have, uh, you know, behavioral health, mental health uh, facilities as part of the hospital, and then the company provides um, provides its employees, not not um, not to the public, but they provide us with free, uh, you know, counseling, free therapy. Um, it's our employee assistance program, which is is pretty good um, for the company. But yeah, so I mean, our hospitals provide those services they have behavioral health and mental health services in our hospitals okay okay i was just like i said man that's it's it's crazy how big the city is and and how much i don't know and that's why when i had the opportunity i was like man i know this guy knows way more than us because you you have to be learning so in these past um i want to say a year or two year that you've been running like what have you like learned new like that you never knew 
Uh, so, I mean, low-hanging fruit to say the, the corruption stuff. So, it, you know, that's been brought to the forefront right now, um, talking to people, talking to police officers, um, and then even hearing some of the other candidates who, you know, might have, because I, I feel like some of this information comes out from some of the other candidates because they have people in those positions that are kind of digging for information. So that's, that's definitely something I'm learning. Um, and then what was the other thing I just said before that? The, uh, the corruption. So that's that's huge. That I, you know, you kind of live in your kind of you know rose-colored world. You think that you know cops are doing the right thing or, or whatever. But just talking to cops, even you know there was even these scandals that happened uh, earlier this year in, in January. I can't I can't remember the cops' names, but so there was that, that thing that happened in January where uh, cops raided the house. They shot two people, and yeah, and I mean the the cop. Uh, those two cops are, I think, engaged in somebody, but the, you know they got sentenced. But to me, that's a huge cover-up. That the, you know that goes higher up. But only those two officers are being sentenced right now. Like it's where where's the repercussions to their higher-ups? To there has to be more people involved. There has to be a full investigation of that. And I, and I don't think that you know we're doing enough, a good enough job of that in the city provide transparency to our people and that creates distrust of our police officers that creates distrust of our government officials same thing with with mayor turner and this whole intern thing so you know i've heard his explanation where he says um this was uh you know this is a, a person with like seven degrees or whatever he said you know this person's qualified for this job so that's fine but then he also says he doesn't know this person and then he has pictures with this person and that kind of thing so that Again, like just tell us the truth. Yes, I like. It's to me, it's be honest with us, um, and so we don't have that distrust. So I think there's a big transparency kind of authenticity problem we have with uh, you know our, our city government. Um, I forgot how I got on this topic, but uh, I no, no, to, I just, what, <laughs> what did you? What, were, what was the original question? No, I, I was just basically opening the door for you to talk, you know, to talk about what you learned in the past oh, okay. you know, year. And I mean, you hit on that. Um, so, and and, and I, I'm be honest with you. Um, the one thing I hate about politics is the smear campaigns. And right. I was, I, I was, I was gonna let you roll out names because I mean, I know about the intern thing. I know about the dudes that kicked door, you know, and raided. Um, I mean, we have some instances where HPD have, you know, killed some unarmed minorities. I mean. Yeah. It definitely happens in Houston, uh, but um, and and once again, like I, I felt like it was better for you to roll that out because people that listen to our show, they know you know that stuff is going on in Houston. Houston is far from perfect, uh, but other than that, um, since you brought up names, uh, why is it that the that right now, besides the media, and besides you know, um, people having tunnel vision and only seeing red and blue, uh. It, in your honest opinion, besides you, do you think that there are other candidates that um, people should be looking out for? Like, because I mean, we both know it's only when people see Busby and, and Turner, that's all they see right now. I mean, should they be looking at somebody else besides you? Uh, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I, um, I think there's a couple of candidates. Like, really, honestly, I would say I would love for for both of those guys to not win. Um, Perfect. Yeah. I would love to see, uh, maybe not Bill King either, but um, like uh, there's a guy, um, Derek Bros. He's a, uh, I think he's a little, people aren't, um, 
identifying with him because I think he's a little bit too extreme. So he really wants like a hemp Houston. So he wants to incorporate hemp plants, uh, you know, longer bayous and stuff. So I think, you know, the mainstream won't really like that idea. Um, but he, I, I can tell he really, you know, loves the city and he wants to do better. And he's a, I think he's a journalist. So, you know, sometimes, so he knows a little bit, um, he's known about a little bit of this stuff from sitting in city council meetings, writing articles, things like that. Um, but I think he's a, a really good guy. There's a, I don't know his first name, but his last name is Hujami. Um, and he's, he's a good guy too. He, um, I know my mom was, we were, my mom was watching one of the kind of forums we did uh, on TV. And she said, if she could vote and she wasn't voting for me, because she doesn't live, she lives in, you know, North, um, so she can't vote. But um, she said, she, you know, she really liked this guy. So that, he really identified with her. He was very like, you know, he's going to protect the minorities. Um, so I think those are really t- two strong candidates that if I wasn't running, I would be considering voting for one of them. Okay. And, um, that, 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 that hemp thing that kind of caught me up. I was like, whoa, that, that boy, he, he's, he's serious about that hemp. Like, that's, <laughs> I ain't never heard that one before. It's like, hey, he trying to, he trying to, he trying to get it out there. Like, I respect that. Cause yeah. I mean, it, 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 is, it is a revenue producing idea though. Like you, you yeah, see yeah, what yeah. it's done in Colorado and how it produces, I, I want to say they did somewhere around three billion, and they in turn used that to house homeless people. So it is, yeah. you know, it it does produce revenue for the city, but you got to use it right. And down here, it's something that I I don't well down here I'm in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't mess with you no more, Jay. That's cool. Yeah, I was gonna say he also has a point of how it can help with flooding. I, I don't really remember his exact point, but th- there was something he said that it would help with flooding. I don't remember exactly, but yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Oh man, yeah. I have to. Look. I, what, what's what's his last name again? Uh, Bros. B R O Z E. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I ain't know nothing about that, man. But um, uh, I guess one one of the last things I would like. Hey, Jay, you got you got a, a random question for him? Cause I mean, he he seems like a wealth of knowledge, man. You over there chilling. Nah, 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 <laughs> I mean, you had all the questions apparently when you told me you didn't have any, but you hit a lot of the questions that I had. So I mean. <laughs> I'm good. Like I, I, it's, it's, I had it's one. Stuff that he's saying, it's stuff that he's saying that's making me ask these questions. I'm like, damn, like that, that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, sort of like. Hold on, hold on. Before you get back ahead. in your bag, there was one. Um, just, a, just a backtrack where we, we were talking about the expanding of the highways and the public transit. I know a lot of people that do take public transit in Houston to get to work, but I also know a lot of them's like, oh, well, the buses are dirty and they break down and different things like that. So I think an improvement of the public transit would actually encourage more people to ride the bus and, and not drive. Cause I mean, you're already in the HOV lanes and the buses and, and different things like that. But when a bus breaks down an HOV lane, it's a problem for all traffic again. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. I think we need cleaner buses. Um, we need to be, make people feel safe on our buses um, there's, there's a Metro Next plan that's also on the uh, ballot. So that's expanding our light rail, um, expanding our uh, Metro rapid bus services. Um, so I think, yeah, cleaning it up um, and expanding it is, is probably the, the way we should go. Um, going along with that, um, I wanted to talk about Houston being, you know, we're an inclusive city, right? So yeah. a lot of people are driving to work or taking the bus really far from work because we're not being inclusive to our own people. Um, 
So what I mean by that is, is people who maybe might work downtown, they, they can't live downtown because they can't afford it. And that's not being inclusive to our population. They have to live far from their work or, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, basically they have to live far, which again, it contributes to our pollution. It's kind of cyclical, right? So they live far from our work because we're not being inclusive. They have to drive in, crowds our freeways, uh, creates pollution. So I think one of the solutions for that is, um, again, more, more public transportation would help, but to kind of get to the root of that, not making people live far away from where they work, unless they want to, but we need more affordable housing in the city. So that's partner, partnering with developers, um, you know, creating city deals with them where they can provide affordable housing, they can build affordable housing for our residents. Um, and, and again, people would have to qualify for that based on income. But the other side of that is, again, this like class war where people don't want affordable housing by them. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've, yeah, I've been on an email uh, recently for, I think, my neighborhood where, you know, they're, I think they were thinking about building affordable uh, right next door. And, you know, my neighbors are complaining on this email, like, let's, you know, go to the you know, next city council meeting, whatever, to stop this from happening. Um, so I, I think, again, it's education. It's a mindset shift that, that we need. It, it's the population, man. It, it's people not caring about another human being, I guess, is, you know, hey, I don't care if they have to live far because I worked hard. You know, I live here um, for working hard. But we, we have to help lift each other, I guess, is, is basically it. Are you, are you running on anything that you would consider extreme? I mean, because we, we heard all those points, but is there anything that you ever bring up in like your, when you're like actually in front of people and talking that you feel like, you know, I'm going to kind of keep this tucked away because this may, you know, not get me any type of attention. It may give me nothing but negative attention. Do you have any of those? Just, just kidding. Um, just kidding. So, so one thing I'm not, that yeah, I don't say in, in debates is, uh, or forums, I mean, is... I'm not sure I'm 100% with, uh, I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this either, but I'm not sure I'm 100% with firefighters being paid the same as police officers. Now, I know they, they risk their life. I, I definitely think the wage should be increased. But I don't know if it needs to be a match because I know they risk their life. They're the ones who are there when your car flips over on the freeway and they, you know, if they needed to pry you out of your car, um, you know, your house is on fire, of course, they're the ones who come. So they're risking their life when they have to save you, when they have to do their job, they're risking their life most of the time. But I also think that, you know, I've, I've known firefighters that they're in the, and they're in the firehouse all day. You know, they're, they're not, they're not really working. Oh yeah. So, I um, mean, it happens. You go two or three days with a minor call. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely want um, increased pay, but I just, I'm unsure about pay parity. Um, so I think that's probably the most thing that would, you know, people would give me heat about. Um, Once again, you just schooled me because um, I know Sylvester Turner. He got hell for that. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, y'all, y'all, that's a similar. You, so basically, you share his opinion with that. Some, I, yeah. So I, I don't know exactly. I know he, the, the city voted for pay parity, right, right, in the last election, last last November, I guess. And then the, um, it was our court system that said, "Hey, this is unconstitutional. We can't yeah. just match." firefighters and, fire and police officers. Um, so I think the city, you know, we need to recognize that, that it was deemed unconstitutional, but we still can find a way to pay them more, um, to increase their pay. But let's, I mean, let's hold off on just, you know what, you guys make whatever, let's, let's match it. It's not the same job. 
I mean, I don't know. So do we play, I don't know. I mean, like, should all of our, why, why do firefighters and police officers have to match? To me, that, it just, I don't know. Does it make sense? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And I, and once and I ain't trying to put you out there to have people be like, oh man, Roy, he's running on it now. You you just got your opinion on it. And, I mean, one thing that you always lead off with. I think I saw one of your um. I think they said your elevator pitch. You you always say, I'm a human being. I'm regular. I'm like y'all. And I think that with that, when you say something like that, it's in in this opinionated. City uh, society, you know, uh, this opinionated society that we stay in now. The more, the more of a celebrity you become, people are gonna want to know your opinions on everything, regardless. So I just was like, I felt like, you know, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there is something out there that you're like, you know what, I'm gonna avoid this. Uh, and 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 with that being said, like on the opposite side of that, um, you know, obviously you, you're, you're running up against. I'm gonna say it's like you're running up against moguls, maybe you're running against career politicians. Um, I don't know how long uh, I forgot. They said Sylvester Turner uh, tried to, you know, he ran for mayor quite a few times, if I'm not mistaken. I think this so, was the third time when he won. Yeah. Okay, so for you, you're not gonna give up, are you? No, no. I think uh, I, I think I need to do a better job of making my name known. So I think this is a good step, but I think you know, next year, I mean, don't wait for the election year. Don't wait for the, you know, the time of the election to start talking to people, to start campaigning. I think, again, name recognition is so big. Even my sign, I would, I'm going to rethink this sign because people may have seen the sign, but my name's not big on here. If you see it from the street, you can't see my name. So again, like, it's just those tricks that I guess this has been a good learning experience for me. Just um, learning like, oh, I'll do this different next time. I'll do this different next time. Because you know, I still think that, you know, the city needs change. I, I mean, actually, um, if if the next mayor is, if I think the city is going great, I probably won't run again. But, you know, in four years, if I think there still needs to be change made that, or, or the changes that I, I wanted to see happen, and I feel like the people wanted to see happen aren't happening, then I, then I would definitely run again. Um, one of uh, Busby's people actually talked to me on a, at a forum, so he wasn't there, but one of his, one of the last ones I did, he wasn't there, and one of his people were there, and he's like, Tony really likes you, like, if he wins, would you be interested in helping him with the campaign? Like, you wouldn't have to quit your job, um, but I took his card, you know, I definitely would consider it, because I just want to help the city of Houston, however I can. Um, so if I don't win, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not going to run next time, just because I'm helping, um, but yeah, it's definitely something to consider. Uh, and I don't know why he asked me. It might be, you know, because it might help with millennials. I don't I have no idea. But um, yeah, he was just like, Tony really likes you. Would you be interested in helping? Okay, okay. That's real. I mean, yeah, you never know. You never know if it's a political chess game or not. Yeah, exactly. sure. They got me on, on recorder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said you'd help, Tony? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I feel like we covered, you know, quite a bit. Um, I mean, I, I know feel like the main I learned question. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly did. I honestly did. Like, I, I felt like I said that it's a couple of things that you said that I'm gonna have to go research. I'm like, man, that is wild. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I, I see on Halloween you went as Johnny Depp. Uh, is it yeah. was there what was the what was the, what was the influence for that? Man, I'm just a huge Johnny Depp fan. Like I, uh, it's actually been eight years in a row. I've been the same uh, character, and it, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, I look forward to Halloween because, like, I get to be Johnny Depp. Um, 
So when I've always said when I do 10 years, I'm just going to retire, retire from dressing up for Halloween and everything. So I have two more years left and then I'll, I'll be good. Just uh, chilling at home on Halloween. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so, uh, so for the 5th of November, what, what are you, what are you planning to do? Like, what are y'all doing? Y'all, you know, uh, I have, so I have a couple volunteers that, um, students from U of H and U of H, uh, downtown that have contacted me. So they're going to still be out there passing card, cards out during the day. I'm going to be at work most of the day, uh, and I've already voted. Um, but I will be out just, you know, patrolling a little bit or canvassing a little bit. Um, if people haven't made their mind up yet, passing out cards, passing out t-shirts, um, during the day, the latter half of the day, uh, because of work, but, um, I will have volunteers out at parks and at schools on, on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Okay. 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 And like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not, you're not going to quit anytime soon. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, man, hopefully you get that leverage. Yeah. Um, and like I, and like I was telling you, uh, you know, before the show, I mean, this is, this is a segment where we do words of advice. Um, so, if, so I guess I put in a question as well. Like if you were to give advice to somebody that, you know, may have woke up with the same, epiphany is you like what would be the advice that you would give them i would say that you know follow what you, you think is the right thing to do so uh, again i think like i said at the beginning if you see that change needs to happen and you don't want to wait for somebody else to come fix it and, and not to say that this is a one person problem that you know one person can fix it because it's a social we need to again change the mindset of our people but if you w woke up and you think that i want to make change and do it. I think any reason you give yourself to not do it is just an excuse. I think you're just making excuses for yourself. So get out there, you know, get a clipboard, get your signatures, and, and run run for office. Okay, okay. Jay, what you got, man? You got some political advice for the people? Some advice in general? Hey, man, so, solely based off this conversation, I feel like knowledge is power and ignorance is an excuse. You have all the tools at your hand to find out whatever you need to know you have like we've said numerous times 500 600 1100 cell phones in your hand you have the world at your fingertips so there's no reason for you to not be educated on something that you want to know so go learn it that's real that's real um uh, my, my advice would be um definitely if you have a dream or if you have something you have a goal um pay attention to the fact that you Roy are um, evidence that I mean you can make it happen and you can't use the excuse that oh I have a job I have a full-time job um, I can't do this I can't do this you, you just got to get up and do it and that doesn't in it and, and then they'll probably people probably hear this and say well y'all said working hard isn't enough working hard sometimes it isn't enough but execute you know there's nothing wrong with trying to execute there's nothing wrong with trying and uh i think you know when i think about this whole summarize this whole episode i mean it pretty much lets me know like if, if there's something i need to try i mean i mean i want to try it like if i haven't if i have a goal if i have something that i want to accomplish i mean go for it because being a mayor of a city that's a big deal because um i'm looking at you and i'm thinking like man you know we even had a um a democratic mayor you know trying to run for president so like there's it gets bigger from here so you know start start small get big there's nothing wrong with that or 2020 no. hey, <laughs> hey, hey. hey so how, how do people reach you man like i mean oh, it's right, yeah. Twitter. Right, yeah uh so on my, on my website roy vasquez for mayor.com uh there's a link to my instagram and a link to my uh facebook page 
um, I think my Instagram is uh, RoyJacobV1 uh, if you want to just go there. But um, yeah, so there's a submission form on my website. Um, and then, you know, obviously one of the social media platforms, you can contact me, ask me any questions. Um, but really, uh, I think I made the point at the beginning of this uh, 18 to 34 year olds, only 6.6% of people voted, which is the lowest percentage of all the age groups. But still, our overall voting percentage in Houston is super low. So if, even if you don't vote for me, uh, like you said, Jay, like get the knowledge, like figure out who's the candidate best represents you and then go vote. You don't only have two, um, but if it's one of those two that represents you, vote for one of them. But do the research, look at all the candidates and, and find out who's authentic and who represents you. Okay. Okay. How, and, uh, if, 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 do you have a... I mean, most of these um these millionaire candidates have donate uh, people donating uh, donating to them. How does that work for you? Like, how do how do they get to donate to you if they want to donate? So I'm actually I wasn't taking a donation, so I didn't have a, a lot of people reach out, but I did have two or three people kind of email me how can I donate, and I'm just not taking it. I did give them the opportunity, like if you want to just buy a T-shirt, that's kind of a way of donating to me. Um, but T-shirts are available on the website. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really been out of pocket. Just, I didn't want to be influenced kind of by any donations. Dang. And, and, and will that change in the future or, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think, you know, I still want to do it myself. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it, I don't feel comfortable taking a donation and then first of all, um, not winning and then, you know, disappointing them kind of, they wasted their money. And then on the other side of it, um, I don't, again, I don't, I don't want to feel like I owe this person something. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, y'all heard it here, folks. <sighs> Mr. Roy Vasquez, I mean, good luck to you. I hope, I hope you at least, I hope you make a dent. I hope you make a big enough dent for people to, you know, come back next time and like, you know, hey, I'm going to check that guy out. Because uh, I feel like that's, that's how you do it. Just for you, I mean. This first go around, I mean, at least you may come out as the rookie of the year. So uh, <laughs> you never know, man. I, my advice to you, obviously, is you know keep keep trying, and um, I, I'm definitely gonna look into the you know the Paralon thing that you're doing because, like I said, I never heard of it. I think that's pretty dope that you're doing that. But uh, other than that, man, I don't got nothing else. What you got, Jay? Hey, I'm good. I appreciate you for joining us. Like I said, this was a very insightful conversation. I wrote down a lot of notes, and I'm not even in living in Houston anymore. But it was a lot of stuff going on that really intrigued me. And like I said, since I have the access to the world at my fingertips, let me find out what BARC stands for. Let me find out, you know, more about the public transit. The, and the expansion of 45, because 40, they've been working on 45 since I was in high school. So, like, you know, you, you get to one spot and now it's like, okay, now we need to continue to expand. Like, I need to look at this text dot stuff. Like, I need to really know what's going on, because even though I'm not in the city anymore, the city's still my home. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate you guys, guys. Thanks for having me on and giving me the opportunity to just, you know, talk a little, little bit about, um, you know, City Houston. Already, already. And with that being said, this has been the No Boundaries Podcast. Thank you for listening. But ever since the dawn of civilization, people have craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary?